Hi, I'm Scott. And I'm Jamie. And welcome to God or Not, the podcast where truth springs from argument among friends. This is episode number five. And coming up, Jamie and I will be talking about extraordinary evidence. Also in this episode, spin the wheel and the crowd goes wild. So grab your popcorn, sit back and enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, please direct your attention to the center ring. This is the God or Not Podcast. We're in for a great night of civil discourse here as these two warriors are wrapped up and ready to go. And now, let's get ready to dialogue! So here we are with episode number five, and uh, the things have been going fairly smoothly. I good. think we've been, yeah. uh, you know, we've had a, a good start to to the podcast, and I'm excited. Uh, the discussions that we've had so far, I'm looking forward to uh, uh, to some of the new stuff, some of the new areas we're going to be venturing out into. Yes, all kinds uh, of weeds. Right, right, right. We're we're weed hunters. Is that it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, in this. Uh, so in this episode, we're going to introduce a new um, a new item that we're going to be doing, and it's called the crowd goes wild. And basically, what this is going to be is all kinds of uh, listener feedback related stuff, right? And so um, for this first one, we're going to be addressing an email that we received, and uh, well, let's just dive into that in the crowd goes wild. The crowd goes wild. This is our first uh, installment of Hate the crowd mail. goes wild. <laughs> well, this is uh, you know so so the mail is starting to come in, and uh, this particular letter uh, was from a listener, and he had a few things to say about the show. It's actually a very interesting uh, letter. It was uh, nice to receive, and. Uh, one of the he brought up several points, and one of them was had to do with uh, when Jamie and I were talking about morality, and I posed a question, Jamie, to you. I asked you, um, "What if God told you that you should murder somebody?" Or I can't remember exactly how I said it, but what if God told you murdering was okay? Right, and you said. Um, you couldn't answer, and and, you, and the reason that you said you couldn't was because it's it's part of God's nature to be good, and so God can't do that. And so uh, you're kind of posing it as my question was already self contradicting, like a false dilemma, something yeah. along those lines, right? And so he brought up that point, and and um and but the reason that he brought it up was in reference to something that I had said, I you know that I said after that, and that is that well, what if you're wrong about uh -oh. God's nature. What if I'm wrong? Right? And so, yeah. So, so you're basing, you were basing your decision. You thought it would be impossible for God to say that mm -hmm. because of God's nature. And then I said, well, what if God's nature, what if you were wrong about God's nature? And then, so right. what, uh, what are your thoughts then after yeah, reading his so, letter here? So um, I think that God presents himself, at least the God, the Christian God, the, uh, the Bible, he presents mm -hmm. himself and we could know what his nature is through three ways, through our conscience, through um, revelation, namely the Bible, and then through uh, reason and logic, through philosophy, namely. So basically, um, it, our conscience, we all have this 
Uh, and both you and I agree that we have these uh, faculties where we do think that certain things are objectively right or, or objectively wrong. And so I think that's part of our conscience. It's built into us. So I think God has given this us a kind of an innate sense of what is right and wrong. So I think we could know God's nature based upon that, as long as our faculties are working normally. And mm-hmm. then uh, also uh, in the Bible, um, I think God gives us a clear uh, representation of who he is. But I think the way I think that we could know is primarily through philosophy. So um, mm. through logic, God, we call God a maximally great being. And and in this kind of maximally great being theology, um, God, the idea of God, is um, this, this thing that is worthy of our worship. And in, and in maximally great being kind of um, understanding, God wouldn't be worthy of worship unless he's perfectly good unless he is the locus of what is good and what is perfect. And so, um, and, and then we would know that, that if God is good and perfect and he created us and gave us this innate um, sense of right and wrong, this conscience, that we would know that murder would be wrong. Um, hmm. And he had brought up talking about killing, or specifically talking about, well, God can com- uh, command people to murder um, I, I wouldn't say that. I would say maybe God could command people to kill. Um, but if God is the author of life, then he can take mm-hmm. life whenever he wants to. And we also have to remember that in no, like in well, I, if if God no, true. if God is real. <laughs> if God is real. Yeah. And it so so we're we're making the we're making the understanding of the claim that God is real. If God is real and he created life, he could take it whenever he wants. He's God. Oh, no. If he's no. real. If he's real. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I heard that part. Right. Okay. Well, <laughs> I heard. So, I still so, disagree with you. So if you create something, <laughs> if you create something, Scott, you, you mm-hmm. don't have the right to destroy it whenever you want. Like you build not a Lego. It's a person. What's, oh, sure you do. You guys do it all the time. It's called abortion. Oh, oh was no. Is that no. out of line? Anyhow. That's not a person. That's not a person. <laughs> oh, okay. That, that's for another discussion. Didn't we already have that? Was that episode three? <laughs> all right. All right. We've gone off the rails here. We've gone <laughs> so, off the rails here. Anyhow, so okay. I, I would say that we can know God's nature, that we can know God's okay. nature within a certain sense of certainty. So I'm not saying there, there would never be gray area. Okay, but I'm Mm -hmm. saying within the main, within the big things, within those things that we could agree on that are objectively right and wrong, I think that it it Mm. it's it it makes sense to say through either conscience or through revelation of the Bible or through philosophy that we can know what a what a what would a maximally great being what would this God look like if there was Mm. something worthy of worship. Okay. Yeah. Well, you, you know, in, on cart, have you ever watched a cartoon, like an older cartoon, where there's like the wolf and he see he's looking at like Porky Pig or something, and Porky Pig turns into a big steak, and the <laughs> yeah. wolf just starts drooling yeah, and that's drooling. That's where you're at right now. I, I, I'm just listening to you. I'm like, oh, there's just so much red I, meat to what know, you just said. But we can't and go any you, further, can we're, we? We're stuck in the, the constraints of this little segment. So, uh, so maybe this will be a teaser for an up and coming oh, uh, for sure an up and coming episode yep. where we take a deeper dive into this. <laughs> into uh, why Jamie's wrong again? Oh yeah. boy, that that could be the whole podcast right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we. Should. All right, but for now, for now, that's we're, we're going to have to wrap up this right. segment. Um, and so that's thank uh, you, the David. Crowd goes thank, wild. thank you, David, for your email. <laughs> 
And there we are. Yeah. That's our first Woo! listener feedback segment. Uh, and so for all you listeners out there, if you're listening to this, you're you're a God or not listener. Uh, if you're if you have any questions or comments, definitely Bring give it. us a Bring it, drop baby. us a line. Yeah, send us send us an email at email at godornotpodcast.com. And uh, we do try to read and respond to as much of the email as we can. The more and, extraordinary but if we find- the <laughs> email or the claim, the greater chance you will have of us reading it on the air. Exactly, exactly. Um, also, if you... Um, we're, we won't use your name on the air unless you want us to. And so if you, if you want to let us uh, use your, your name, mention that in the email. But speaking of extraordinary, uh, Jamie, with the super smooth segue there. Thank you. Extraordinary evidence. Thank you very much. That's what our main talk here is going to be today. And uh, I should point out, though, that this is actually two discussions that we had at two different times. And we kind it's of like melded them together. 18 hours and 14 right. sit downs later. Uh, exactly. We, we, yeah, we blended. We, four, yeah. we blended together all yes. eighty-five hours of our back and forth <laughs> into um, a much more bite-sized bit. Uh, for those a, of you who don't yeah, know, we actually record uh, so much hits the cutting room floor um, because right. we just. I mean, we want to put out some substantial podcast but then it can't be five and six hours long although right. I, you and i would probably be okay with that but we may not get as many listeners so we have kind to of like this segue is oh, about five or six hours real long is that nice. right <laughs> real nice okay. let's just dive into it let's talk about extraordinary evidence this is the main event Jamie, today we're going to be exploring uh, the, I don't know if you'd call it a saying or the or something, uh, it's uh, the phrase or the sentence, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. And uh, that's, that's uh, usually credited to Carl Sagan from his show, The Cosmos, in, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in the 1980s around there. And it's often called the Sagan Standard. Um, and but this idea has popped up before Sagan. Uh, for example, uh, Pierre Simon Laplace. I'm sure I totally butchered his name. Uh, he sounded, was a, ma- a French mathematician. <laughs> Did it? Did yeah, it sound it good? Sounded, I, it I, sounded I, I was convincing enough. <laughs> <All right. laughs> well, he was he was a French philosopher and mathematician, and you know, back in those days you know, people kind of did everything, you know, there, you weren't just a mathematician right. or weren't just a biologist. You kind of did all of it. You were, a, everyone um, so was he, a philosopher he, too. Right. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Um, but he said, uh, the weight of evidence for an extraordinary claim must be proportioned to its strangeness. And I'm assuming that it sounded much better when he said it in French mm-hmm. or with uh, a really more, thick French a- English in English with a really thick French accent. That could Ooh, be, wee, wee. uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I will, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll try to avoid doing that. I think that would be too painful to listen to. Uh, but also more recently, well, slightly more recently, uh, Thomas Jefferson, uh, said where facts are suggested bearing no analogy with the laws of nature as yet known to us, their verity needs proofs proportioned to their difficulty. And then of course, uh, the Scottish philosopher, David Hume, uh, who penned our phrase from our opening, mm-hmm. from, from our intro, sure from did. the um, truth, uh, uh, what was truth it? Truth Springs. Truth, tru- yeah, Truth Springs uh, 
from argument among friends. Uh, but he said a wise man apportions his belief to the evidence. I actually found so, of those three, I actually found that one. Um, I think the best, I think that is the most accurate of the three that, that, that uh, we just went over here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I would agree with that. I mean, his is a little bit more general mm-hmm. and, you know, it applies to all kinds of evidence right. or all kinds of claims, whether they're extraordinary or common, you know, and so we need to look at the evidence that is, that's available and then we need to, you know, apportion our belief in those it claims seems, based on the quality it of it. It seems that that last one by Hume is that, that any claim, whether they seem extraordinary or not, uh, only requires sufficient evidence. Now you could say, well, the sufficient evidence and extraordinary evidence can be defined kind of the same way. But basically, the amount of proof or evidence needed to establish a fact only needs to be sufficient uh, to warrant belief in it. So anyhow, I just thought that that was the most, you know, the most accurate of the three. Sure, sure. Why don't you give yeah. us some examples, yeah, like some everyday examples? <laughs> sure. Hey, that's a great idea. <laughs> yeah. Uh, why don't I do that? Um, so, so just to give an example, try to 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 kind of uh, separate what we're talking about here. So, so let's say that you live like twenty miles from my house. So I know I actually uh, did the you know I looked it up on Google Maps. You actually live. We're about seven hundred and fifty miles apart. Wow. About seven fifty. Okay. And I know it seems like you're right here in the room mm-hmm. with me. Um, but let's say we live to say 20 ish miles apart or so, you know, something you know, relatively close like that. And so uh, let's say I just show up at your house one day and uh, you say, oh, hey, you know, what's going on? And I said, oh, yeah, I, I drove over here. OK. And, and so that's a that's a fairly common, a mundane claim. Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, it wouldn't take much for me to convince you that I drove over. Right. OK. So now let, let's compare that then to say that I walked over. Um, and so we're, you know, we're talking to 20 miles. It's, you know, doable, it's doable, but it's not a very, you don't often do it. Or at least I don't very often do a 20 right. mile walk yeah, kind no. of at one stretch. No. <laughs> and, uh, and so that, so that would require, you know, maybe you'd, you'd, you'd notice that, um, you know, maybe I'm wearing uncomfortable shoes or, or maybe I'm not sweating or something like that. And, you know, it might take a little bit more convincing than the fact that I drove over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then let's compare that. We'll, we'll kick it up a notch here. Let's say that I, that I flew a helicopter over. Okay. So now you're starting to get suspicious. And again, <laughs> uh, it's going to take a little bit more evidence. If I, if I pull out my wallet and I show you my pilot's license, right? you know, that would be, that <laughs> would give, you know, that would lend a little more credibility. Right. Or if you remember, oh yeah, I was wondering what that racket was yeah. outside. Um, you know, or, or things like that. So it would it would require a little bit more than me just telling you and then you believing. Or you, or if you call me ahead of time and said, "Hey, Jeremy, set up a landing zone. I need you to <laughs> set up a landing zone for me in your backyard." Yeah, yeah, m- 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 yeah. Can you imagine me doing that? Me calling you up and saying that? <laughs> no, probably not. But that would be good evidence. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the point is though, it it would take a little bit more convincing Mm -hmm. than for me to, to tell you, you know, that for you to believe that I drove over or walked over. And so then let's kick it up another notch here. So then let's say, um, instead of that, let's say I told you that, um, I did fly over, but I, I did it. I walked outside my house. I started flapping my arms and I flew like a bird over to your house. (laughs) Okay. So now you're going to start, you know, thinking, okay, let's hide the sharp objects and, you know, let's uh, right. maybe we should call that ambulance right. over or something. He needs to go to the um, psych ward. Right. Now, although, you know, technically it might be 
that might be possible. I've seen, you know, devices where you can kind of flap and so forth. And, and, you know, it's, a, there's at least other animals that can do this. Right. Right. There's, there's, there are, you know, it's, it's not a physical impossibility, uh, although ridiculously unlikely. And so you, it would probably take a lot for me, you know, I'd probably have to demonstrate to you that I could do it, it might, for you. It to might be me. like physically impossible, but not metaphysically impossible. And I think the difference for our listeners would be like, physically, we're not equipped to fly. We, we just, we just can't fly. Right. But right. Right. Metaphysically, like it's not logically impossible. It's not it, a yeah, contradiction. It doesn't violate. Right. Exactly. So, right. right. No. Okay. I would need quite a bit of convincing, though, to, if you, if you right. said you flew yeah. with a bird. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And so then if we go up another notch there and we say, if I claimed uh, I opened up this uh, wormhole portal in space that and I just walked through it and, tra- and it transported me here. Okay. So now we're going beyond physical impossibility and we're, and we're looking at, okay, so this is, you know, it would be something unheard of in all of the, you know, all of history mm-hmm. for anything. And so, and so I don't know, I, you know, I don't know if I could even convince you at all that that's <laughs> even if you saw it, you probably, mm, I don't know right, if you believe yeah. it. So it'd be, uh, and then finally the, my last uh, example is I can say, uh, what are you talking about? I've always been here. I, I've been here for the last week. Right. And so that, so that not only is that like really stretching believability, but There's you actually, actually have evidence, evidence against ag- it. Right. Yep. Exactly. Yep. So it's like, I'm, it's like in against the available evidence. Mm-hmm. So you can see like each of these levels, each of these examples kind of ratchets up and um, you know, the believability. And so would then require uh, more extreme evidence for you to, you know, I, it would be very, very, you know, I'd probably have to convince you that you were in a coma or something like that for me to get you to believe that I had been there the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe if, you know, I suppose if I had like a doctor, um, you know, declare you delusional, some kind of you were having hallucinations, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe, I don't know. I'd still, that's pretty hard. But anyway, so those are the kind of the ideas. And, and, and um, you know, as we're, as we're talking about it tonight, we can kind of refer back to those different levels of... Uh, um, ideas, mm-hmm. you know, those different levels of, of believability. Uh, but I thought we could, um, you know, now that we got that kind of set up, uh, maybe we can talk about, well, what, you know, what are we talking about when we mean evidence? You know, what, what, what would be a good definition of evidence? And, and my favorite, and, and I'm going to ask you in a second, you know, what, what you, what you like mm-hmm. for, um, you know, what, what evidence means to you. But, um, uh, so a couple of years ago, I, I used to listen to a podcast called Rationally Speaking, and there was a, a host, one of the hosts on there uh, was a, a, a former biologist and now a philosopher of science uh, named by the name of Massimo Pigliucci. And, Man, you um, and the big names I, today, buddy. You're, you're, <laughs> you're trying to impress somebody here. <laughs> right. The, they, every once in a while, they would have like a, you could email them questions and they would answer the questions. And so, so I just, you know, I just said, well, what do you, what do you think, what would you call evidence? How would you define the word evidence? And he said uh, that it's a, it's a fact that renders a conclusion to be more likely true than not. Mm-hmm. And so in other words, it's a, it's some kind of fact. So it might be an observation. Uh, it might be, uh, you know, some kind of argument or some kind of logical progression or deduction um, that would, uh, in light of that particular fact, it would, you know, the 
some particular cl- conclusion might be considered more likely to, to be true than it is false. And so, um, you know, I've, I've always kind of uh, attached myself to that kind of uh, definition. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? What do you think? Yeah, I uh, think that's what comes I, to I your think mind. It's a bad definition of evidence, but I, I think that um, it's probably important. Wait, you think it's a bad definition? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah I think it's important though to make the distinction between evidence for and, and evidence. Right. So, um, ev- okay. evidence for something. I, that 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 definition might work out well, but I mean, when I think of evidence, I'm thinking of court of law, and I'm thinking mm-hmm. of um, evidence could be either good or bad. Um, it's there's a scale, like it's like everybody could bring ev- and everybody could bring evidence, and anything could be, um, you know, brought in as you know exhibit A. It doesn't matter if it's good, uh, bad. Uh, indifferent. Uh, the defense could bring something that is just that most people think is absolutely horrible. Like this doesn't prove a darn thing, uh, but it's still considered evidence nonetheless. So I think if we painted a brush, a broad brush for evidence, um, I, I think that that would be a bad definition uh, for it because oh, you know what I'm saying. Okay. So, but if if you wanted to say that it, this is evidence for something um, specific. Mm-hmm. I think that may, maybe that's closer than to the truth, that definition for evidence for something versus simply just something being evidence. Um, like I said, because you could bring forward something that is pitiful and horrible, but it's still obviously like in a court of law considered, um, you know, okay. exhibit whatever. Right. That makes so, sense. so you're saying that, it's something that uh, maybe is presented or something that is brought in, brought into the argument. And then what we need to do is look at it and decide whether or not it's evidence in favor of the conclusion or not. Right. And that's why a lot so, of times. So, so you're, you're, you're including things that would be considered evidence that does not favor the conclusion. Yeah. Again, that would be all that subjective, right? So it, um, in, I guess that, uh, and, and that's why we have. Well, not necessarily. There, there could be statistical, you know, backing, or there could be some kind of, um, you know, some kind of physical law or something, some kind of physical. Yeah, I suppose uh, property that, I suppose that, that's that would true. be that yeah, could be brought into play. So it's true, not but, not necessarily. But I think I think most evidence that is that is brought, and I, I obviously I bring up a court of law because I think when we think of the word evidence, a lot of times that's what we think of, and that's where you see it used primarily. So when you think of evidence, okay. I, um, that's the only reason why I use court. Is, I mean, that's what I think of, and that's, I think, where evidence is most commonly used. So um, I think that most evidence that's brought in is subjective. Mm-hmm. I think that you could probably get a good consensus, like, oh, yeah, the DNA – for this particular thing, that's that's good evidence. Like that's weighty. Um, that would benefit mm. or 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 you know my defendant or hurt my defendant in 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 a way. Whereas something else, oh, like yeah, that's almost, almost seems irrelevant. Why did they? Why did they? Um, you know, bring that forth as as um, okay. as evidence. So yeah, I, I might be like splitting hairs here. Um, but all, I think that all that, that too, well, sometimes, I, I think it's just, a, it's just a semantic thing. It might be. I, 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 yeah, you I, know, I think it's just semantics I, because when we're talking about sorry. evidence, a lot of times I hear 
the uh, the claim, oh, you guys don't have a shred of evidence for God. And I'm like, okay, that's just ridiculous because I see evidence as, as anything brought forward, um, you know, to, to help kind of to help the case or anything that the either the prosecution or the defense brings forward to try to help the case. Now, you get to say, well, all your evidence is horrible. Your evidence is bad. Mm-hmm. And in that case, like, yeah, OK, we, we could we could determine that. But at, it's, you know, um, when we think of evidence and we think of it as painting that broad brush, um, I like to think of it as either like direct evidence or indirect evidence. Um, uh-huh. so direct evidence being eyewitness. So the, um, I found this in the Collins dictionary of law that, um, okay. there's two types of evidences, direct evidence, which is evidence in the form of testimony from a witness who actually saw, heard, or touched the subject in question. And then there's indirect evidence, which is evidence in a trial that is not directly from an eyewitness or a participant. So um, those that is what I found as far as the types of evidence and their their definitions. Mm-hmm. It seemed like you were saying that you don't think that extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Is that the case or what's, what's yeah, the deal and, there? And I think that it it might be it might just be wordplay. So I get of course that it comes down to what do you mean by extraordinaries? But I would say that first, the use of the word like extraordinary in this kind of presupposes that this evidence is somehow different. It's going to be different than others. It's inferring that the evidence is going to be like ontologically different than other kinds of evidence. So um, I think that almost a better phrase would be um, that any claim whether they're extraordinary or not, only requires sufficient evidence. So the amount of proof or evidence um, needed to establish a fact only needs to be sufficient to warrant belief in it. So I think... Yeah, what do you you mean by that? By sufficient, like adequate or enough. So um, I think just by using the word extraordinary, Uh we're already somehow presupposing or inferring that that this that, that, that this kind of um, evidence is somehow going to be different. And I mean, not, like qualitatively different. I wouldn't say qualitatively. I'd say ontologically different. So I think that evidence can come and, and you could evaluate the evidence and say, is there is there a lot of evidence? Quantity mm-hmm. is the evidence that we have good quality. And so I, I think that those are the kind of the two prongs that, as far as evaluating, um, you know, evidence is, is there enough of it and is it, is it good? Um, but when we talk about extraordinary evidence, mm-hmm. it almost sounds or presupposes that there's something completely wholly different. Like, like, like that this is some kind of special, some kind of glowing evidence over here that, that isn't, um, so if I was going to put a definition to extraordinary uh-huh. in this kind of extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence, I would say that extraordinary evidence would be one in which there was um, a quantitative, uh, a quantitatively and qualitatively uh, maybe more evidence than other claims. But I okay. think even the better definition is just that 
any claim only requires sufficient evidence. Right, but I, I, I agree with that. And, but I think that, um, you know, when we say extraordinary claims require extraordinary, as we, the extra, extraordinary just basically mean, refers to not ordinary, right? And so uh, evidence could be, um, as you describe it, ontologically different. For example, some sort of miraculous evidence or some, you know, something along those lines, something different than, say, more mundane evidence. But we also talked about how uh, extraordinary could also be, uh, could also talk about quantity, like the Big Bang. We said, you know, there's not magical, uh, you know, right. um, ESP evidence or clairvoyant evidence about the Big Bang or anything like that. But but it's just, mm-hmm. you know, massive amounts of, re- you know, people looking up at the sky and writing something down kind of thing. Right, right. Right. And, and so... Um, I can see, I can see, I, I think I get what you're saying is that you're concerned about, about having, about an, uh, having an implied expectation of, well, you, you said it specifically, you said, you know, am I expected to perform a miracle here to, to prove to you that miracles can happen? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, I would, I would say, well, we're, we're not approaching it by making any assumptions about the nature of what's going on. In fact, in many cases, we're trying to discover the nature of what's going mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. And so really what we're talking about is when, when I, and, and um, when we're talking about extraordinary, we're just really meaning out of the ordinary. So, mm-hmm. so uh, for an, an example, we talked about how, you know, let, let's say that you live 20 miles from my house. And if I show up and say that I drove there, you'd be like, oh, okay, well, whatever. And if I sh- and if I showed up and said that I flew a helicopter there, you you know you might be a little more surprised. Or if I told mm-hmm. you I flapped my wings and and got there, then um, you'd be you'd you'd expect a little. You wouldn't believe me, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so I get I guess what I would I would I would put it to you in a question like this: if 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 two of me walked in, you know, two duplicates of me. Um, and the reason that I'm using that is because I don't want there to be any other differences between the two people. So mm-hmm. we want to have a co- controlled question here where there's no difference between the two people other than what they say to you when they walk in. So mm-hmm. two copies of me walk in. One of them says I drove here. One of them says I flapped my arms and flew here. Mm-hmm. Now, are you more likely to believe the first one than the second one? Sure, absolutely. And why would you say that? Well, because... Uh, the first one is something that is common, and it's every day. It's mm-hmm. ordinary, something that I I see all the time. Okay. Um. The, but the thing is, is I think where we're going with it as far as is uh, at that point, if I'm trying to decide, like, so, so Scott number one, who said he drove there or whatever, uh, he's out of the question. Now I don't even have to worry about him because I believe him. I believe mm-hmm. he drove here. Scott number two, he said he he, he flapped his arms and flew there. Um, the, the kind of evidence that, that I'm going to want, I think, would be I, I would want more evidence than just him saying that he flapped his arms. Right. I'm not asking for some wholly different kind of strange or nuanced kind of. I mean, I'm going to be expecting, you know, uh, you know, if you say you, you, you flew here by, by just your arms. Well, I'm going to want some some more evidence so right so that's why we're talking about quality and quantity i think Uh that that when you're talking about extraordinary okay if you want to say extraordinary just means you need more evidence and the evidence has to be a greater quality 
as far as it it it, it is it is um, implying that that what you're saying is is true, then mm-hmm. I would say that's fine. But why just mm-hmm. couldn't we then just say if, if in order for me to believe that you flapped your arms to get here, I would have have to have sufficient evidence that you did that. Right. Rather than so saying you, extraordinary, and, and, I would just say I would have to have sufficient evidence to warrant belief in that. Right. But but if, but if you understand that when I say extraordinary, I just mean not ordinary. So so like if I if I walked in and I said that I drove here, you'd be like, oh, OK, you know, come on in, have a cup of coffee or whatever. Or if I said I walked there, you know, it'd be kind of similar. Or if I said maybe I got took a taxi or something, mm-hmm. you know, there's a variety of they're all kind of ordinary things. And and maybe my word would be enough. Uh, maybe using the wing, the arm flapping was going a little too far. Maybe if I step it back a little bit and say I flew a helicopter there, that's mm-hmm. a relatively still a mundane thing. I mean, that's still mm-hmm. not like, you know, pixie dust and, and you know, that kind of right. stuff. That's right, that, right. that's, you know, that's still something that in theory I could at least do. Right. Um, but you'd still you'd still want you'd still probably expect more evidence. Is that right? Or you'd, yeah, you'd say, show me more, the helicopter. More or, evidence. But I don't think it's it's extraordinary in terms okay. of okay. not ordinary. Yep. I mean, I still think you would show me ordinary things, but I, qu- quantitatively and qualitatively, it would probably have to be more than just your word. Right. Does that make sense? Because okay, so no, so yeah. I, yeah. I think I I think we're I think we're so I, I yeah like I said at the beginning of this I think, of this, I think okay. that, that that you and I both are, are are at that same point. I don't like that using that extraordinary claims because of what is attached to it and what I've had to deal with in the past as far as not you but others attaching this idea that basically you're at you were you were giving you're telling me that a miracle happened and when I say I need extraordinary evidence basically I'm asking you for a miracle to prove mm-hmm. the miracle which of course I won't believe that either and so what I'm all I'm trying to do is just just make level the playing field so that Okay, if you say that if I, if I'm giving you something that that is crazy like that, boy, that seems pretty unlikely. Then of mm-hmm. course I would expect the evidence to be uh, stronger. That, it, that that there there would either be more evidence or the quality of evidence would be greater in order for people to believe it. That makes complete right. sense to me. I guess yeah. it's just the attachment of what ex- that 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 means, you know, in in kind of the internet. Uh, infidel kind of world. Okay. Um, that, yeah, that's fine. I, I, I think I would agree with what you said. Um, I obviously, I haven't been a party to any of these other discussions you've had with other people. So I can't really, you know, I can't comment on what they meant, but I, I would, I would, I wouldn't be surprised if many of them meant extraordinary in the same way that I'm using it here. Mm-hmm. And just meaning just so extraordinary evidence could be, a miracle right in front of your face, or it could also be a, a larger amount of more mundane type of evidence, or it could be, you know, different, multiple different sources of evidence, or, you know, it could just something beyond, you know, something that you wouldn't expect for a, a similar co- type of claim that was a little more common. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, I think, uh, actually, I think we're on the same page there. I'm kind of, Holy Time mark that. <laughs> yeah, time, let's, time uh, mark that, and well, let's call it quits, down. dude. That would right. be perfect. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> and see, uh, listen for 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 us. I think you and I know this already, but also for our listeners, note that this took Scott and I probably in upwards of 
maybe two or three hours of dialoguing, not online, but but face to face as far as, you know, mic to mic here, actually talking in real time, probably in upwards of three hours for mm-hmm. us to come to an agreement that we essentially more or less kind of mean the same thing. Right. That right. is hard. That's hard work there. You know, like, uh, and, and that was just, it wasn't that we disagreed with each other. That was coming to the, the understanding that, that, that we both in a roundabout way have the same idea of what we mean by that extraordinary evidence or extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. So that's just to say that this kind of thing, yeah. communication is hard work. It can be hard. Yeah. But hopefully there's a payoff. Down, I mean, at the very least, we'll have a better understanding of each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but another thing I would point out, and and that is that uh, if we reflect on that, those three hours or however much time we spent talking about it, uh, if we reflect on that, we can see that we didn't. I mean, there was some disagreement there, but it wasn't all disagreement. In fact, most of it was probably just us talking past each other. Mm-hmm. And so, and so, and that's not something that you can necessarily instantly fix. And it's not necessarily something that you even instantly notice. Sometimes it might take a while before we realize, wait a minute now, mm-hmm. you know, you actually, can you say that again in another way? Yeah. That's kind of what I was thinking too. And so we can, and, and so I think part of it is if you're, if you're trying to talk, and again, we're not necessarily experts here. You're just, you're practically listening to us in real time here, uh, hacking our way through this, you know, we're, we're the, uh, you know, we got the machetes in the jungle of, you know, <laughs> of communication. We're, we're right. hacking our way through here too. Um, but you know, what, what we're seeing here is that, you know, it's, it's very easy to be talking past each other because, you know, maybe the, um, you know, we all have our little bubbles that we're in and, and to some extent we're all in, in our little bubbles. And, and so we might be used to hearing things a certain way. We might be used to saying things a certain way. We certainly might be used to thinking about things right. a different way, yeah. having, having, uh, you know, um, and one, one thing that I like to recommend to my students is, uh, that they, uh, cause I usually, especially like for my online classes, I'll make my own videos, but they're, but uh, most of the uh, textbook publishers now, the books that they uh, sell comes with videos. And, and mm-hmm. so I encourage the students to watch those other videos because maybe they would, you know, just hearing it from a different perspective, the, uh, a different uh, instructor is going to describe something in a slightly different way. And so, right. and so if they, if they listen to me talk about something, that's fine. If we have a, if we have a conversation about something, that's another thing. If they have a conversation with the student, that's another thing. If they have a conversation right. with a tutor or, you know, or other videos or, you know, YouTube or whatever, you know, there, I mean, there's, so there's all these different perspectives. And so I think that's something that, um, you know, even though we've been doing this for a little while, we still have to remind ourselves, okay, let's wait a minute. Let's, let's find out how much of this is actual disagreement and how much of right. it is actually, and this um, is just uh, talking past and each this other. Is, this is coming from both you and I, I think that I've known you long enough that I know that you're, um, um, th- that you're honest, intellectually honest. So this is, and, and I know my heart, of course. So this is coming from two people, Scott and I, who are both open to discussing things and while we may seem entrenched in, in a certain way, maybe in that we're convinced of our, of our 
beliefs. We are not opposed to hearing the other side. And so it becomes that's an extra layer of difficulty when you tack on, you know, when you're talking to somebody online or, or in any other and you're already entrenched in your position and you're not interested in hearing anything from anybody else. So right. like this just shows sometimes how difficult communication can be, uh, you know, but, but I am actually excited that we were able to come to some kind of, so, you know, some kind of climax here with the, uh, with, with this phrase and kind of have some kind of agreement on it. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think so. Um, so, um, uh, what is evidence? And this one, this was actually, I was very surprised um, that you said, I, you know, I, I, I gave um, a definition that I, I got I, off of a philosopher of science. And that was that evidence is something whose truth makes a particular conclusion more likely. And, and you didn't like that. Now that, that actually, I was, I was quite surprised. So why don't you give a definition on what you think uh, would make, would be constitute evidence yeah, that's good. So, uh, and I think that part of this disagreement comes in this idea that, that there's a difference between evidence for something and simply evidence. So, like, if you if you consider like in closing arguments when you have in a in a court when you have a defense in a, and or the prosecutor and they're trying to make their final case, um, they're not using different evidence. They're using the same same evidence, but what they will do is they will use different like sub subject matter experts, or they'll take in a different interpretation of the evidence. And so I think maybe the, the better, um, the, the, the better uh, definition for evidence um, is, is that evidence is something that, could support a conclusion or could support a claim of truth. But I, be, because I'm not sure the, I follow you there. Well, the different, I think the difference is, or my distinction is in, in that is that you could say that there's a piece of evidence that renders a conclusion more likely to be true than not. And I could say that same piece of evidence uh, renders my conclusion more likely to be true than not. And so that's subjective. So I think a better understanding of evidence is just anything that can support a conclusion. Take, for instance, um, well, I mean, I know you can take anything like um, Big Bang cosmology. So there are some people who, who can take the same scientific uh, facts and and come to an absolutely naturalistic conclusion. And there are others that could take the a- absolute same evidence and come to a supernatural conclusion as far as the, you know, the creator of or the beginning of the or- or originator or whatever. And so I think the distinction is there's, there's evidence and then there's evidence for something. And I think that the evidence for something has a lot to do with how it's interpreted um, and, and is, is very subjective. If, the, if that makes sense. Well, when when do you think the word evidence then would be used other than in an evidence for situation? Like when when would you ever talk about evidence that's not evidence for a conclusion? Well, I think I just listed like or just tried to show you how we could have evidence, but two different sides could come to two different conclusions looking at it. 
right? So we could have we could have um, uh, right, the but press- that, but that but that would be that would both be, that would be an evidence for situation. It's just that one side would say it's evidence for this, and the other side would say it's evidence for that. Mm-hmm. Right, but but what I'm asking is. So you made a distinction between evidence and evidence for something. And so mm-hmm. I'm, what I'm asking is, would you ever use the word evidence outside, separate from an evidence for situation? Would you ever talk about evidence that's not evidence for a conclusion? Uh, I, I might in, in terms of like... Um you know, I'm talking with so and so, and 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 so they're they're gonna they're gonna bring forth their bring forward their evidence. You know, okay, uh, or or I'll bring forth my evidence, and so that particular evidence is neutral in that, um, or is generic in terms of evidence is just something that that could be used to support a conclusion, but that that particular evidence um because it again this is subjective so you you could say uh, it's a fact that renders a conclusion more likely to be, be true than not okay so i disagree with you know say you bring up a fact well i think that this ev- piece of evidence renders this more likely to be true than not and i say well i don't think so does that mean that that isn't evidence anymore no. Well, it's then still, we could just we could just discuss evidence. the merits of the claim. We could discuss if I if I say that this supports you know this particular piece of evidence renders this uh, this particular conclusion more likely. Mm-hmm. We could discuss whether or not it in fact is evidence, or you know to right. use your phrase, so evidence mine, for right. that. So claim. mine is a two. I don't know that we disagree on this either. Mine's just a two pronged approach. So you have evidence. And but but then you have to evaluate that evidence and decide is it is it in favor for this or not, and so that that that's that would be like my approach. Okay. Um. All right. Well, yeah. I guess you know. To me, it seems like that you that there would be no usefulness in using just the evidence. Other than here, I'm about to make an argument kind of thing, kind of a situation. Um, you know, it's it seems like the only thing that would be interesting because because presumably we're talking about something and we want to find out whether or not a particular thing is true. or We're discussing whether some claim is true. And so, I mean, for me, in, in that situation, I'm only concerned about evidence that would support that claim. And, and if there's mm-hmm. no evidence that supports that claim, then it's really irrelevant to the, to the conversation. But some people would still consider it evidence. So, so like maybe, right, maybe, but, but I don't care. I don't, I, I don't care right. if they consider it evidence. If it does, if it doesn't reflect on the, on the, on the conclusion we're talking about. But that's subjective though. That's why, that's why I'm saying that, that, that evidence in general is, is this generic, idea that it's just anything you want to put forward that you think supports something. And then we get in that's, and then, then now that second prong is where we get into the, okay, well let's decide, let's try to make a decision. If this is evidence that, that follows your, your premises to your conclusion, you know, is this valid? Is, is this good evidence? Okay. Well, I, again, I think, I think we're, I think this is largely a semantic difference. You're probably right. you're talking about the difference between evidence for a conclusion and evidence 
just evidence. And, and I would, I, I would actually describe those as the first category is evidence. And the other category is just not evidence. You know, it's just, okay. Right, you but, can, but I, I fine. think I just yeah, gave you your an, height, right. But I your think height I just, is an example. Yeah. Sorry, I, gave you an, I gave you an example though, of a time when I could submit something that I believe is, right, is a right. fact that renders a conclusion more likely to yeah, be true than not. That's, I agree. And so, so then we could talk. So then in your mind, we would, the, the discussion that we would have about that particular claim or that particular observation or fact or whatever, in your mind, you're looking at that as a discussion of, is this evidence, does this evidence favor this conclusion? And in my mind, we're, we're having the exact same discussion, right, but the, exactly. two, the two prongs is, Evidence right. or not evidence, I'm and just, so I. Yeah, I'm just giving the allowing the distinction for your honor evidence exhibit A, right? Evidence exhibit B, and so you're you're seeing pieces of evidence being put forward, and mm-hmm. one side thinks that that is, a, you know, that that supports their conclusion. The other side mm-hmm. doesn't. But just because the other side doesn't agree, it doesn't support their conclusion, doesn't mean exhibit A, exhibit B, doesn't mean that's not evidence anymore. So it is evidence. Everything's evidence. Okay, now let's determine if this, if this does in, indeed support you know, your conclusion. So I think okay. you're right. It's yeah. probably I think a we, I think verbiage. we just have different usage, and I think as long as we're clear what we mean, I, I don't think we'll have a problem with that. But you did mention something there a couple of times now, mm-hmm. uh, the idea of uh, judging whether or not evidence is good or not good uh, is subjective. Mm-hmm. And you, you're, you're saying that that's a subjective thing. And, and I guess what I would, would say to that is, if you can't objectively show me how your evidence supports your claim, then I don't care about it. I don't think that that's not a subjective thing. That's the whole idea of having the discussion is to be able to demonstrate something. And we're, so if, if, it, if it were just subjective, whether or not this evidence is good or not, then it's use, that's useless. Because if, if it's all going to just boil down to somebody's subjective opinion, well, well we already know, you know, we, all of us have, you know, bus, bus loads of, uh, you know, biases and, and mm-hmm. mental shortcuts that our brains take and so on. And so, you know, our subjective opinion of, I mean, to me, that's completely useless. There, there is no use in somebody telling me that I, I really think that this is strong evidence. Well, well so what? Show me, right? So if you can't right. demonstrate, if you can't make a case that it's objectively supporting your, your conclusion, then, you know, so what? You've told me nothing. You've told well, you but, just right, re- but, basically reiterated that you think your conclusion is true. But you could have evidence. Well, well I could still give you evidence. I, I could still give you um you know, I could expound upon this particular piece of evidence s- supporting my conclusion, and you could still say, no, I don't think so. Um, and, and so. Right. But you then know, you could come by, you could come, you could turn around and say, yeah, but I've demonstrated this particular thing. You know, I've demonstrated that if you push this lever on this, on this metal object, a bullet shoots out the other end. I've, I've shown you that. And I, right, I, and but if we I also say, have instances where y- y- you have evidence uh, you're looking at the same body of evidence, but two um, well-intending, uh, very intelligent people come to two vastly different conclusions, and they both use that as evidence for their particular position. 
Right. But what I'm saying is that if one of the if if there's two people that are that are having that discussion, that disagreement mm-hmm. on what they think the evidence evidence implies, what's important is that they can demonstrate that the that the evidence does in fact support their conclusion. If if one side can demonstrate it objectively, it doesn't matter if the other side agrees with that or not. If something's demonstrated, then it's demonstrated. If something is shown to be true, you know, it doesn't right. matter what the other well, person thinks. Uh, well, yeah, and then that's going to depend too upon now, um, you know, are we talking about some kind of logical contradiction? Or some kind of mathematical thing, in which case I could say, okay, because those are are pretty hard truths that both you and I could agree on. But there are other things that you and I might disagree on that you think you objectively showed this and I didn't think you did. And so that's why we have to evaluate whether or not the evidence is good or bad, because you could think you made that you demonstrated it and I could think you haven't. And so that, that's why you have juries that sit and, and they have to deliberate on the evidence, that this one body of evidence that, that both prosecution and defense think supports their case or hope supports right. their case. And so but, now, well, the, now the juror has to take that evidence and decide, okay, does this, you know, does this whole body of evidence or individual pieces, do they support, you know, are they in favor of the prosecution or the defense? You know, so I think that certain things might be objective in the sense that they're logically incoherent or they're, you know, they, they, they break some kind of, uh, uh, they, they have, there's some kind of fallacy. But even then, if, if there's just because it's fallacious doesn't mean it's not true. But you could have, you know, you could have uh, logical inconsistencies. Like if something's a contradiction. But, but those, but there, there you're talking about an argument, right? A, a fallacy, a, a piece of evidence mm-hmm. is not you know that can't be fallacious that's so can you fall- show yeah, me something a- that would be like uh, uh, see i'm trying to differentiate differentiate i can't even say that I'm trying to show the difference between sure. um between you being able to objectively show me that something is true right right okay uh, so here's an example yeah. so let's say let's say that i'm trying to prove that uh, you were in my refrigerator, mm-hmm. not like physically, you know, that you raided my refrigerator, that you you actually have have been in my, ref- you know, have been, like mm-hmm. moved stuff around and, and so right. on. And so as evidence, I, um, I show you a fingerprint in the butter. Mm-hmm. And and you say, well, that doesn't mean I was there that, you know, that doesn't mm-hmm. mean I did anything in your refrigerator. Right. But if I can sh- if I can demonstrate what fingerprints are, how fingerprints are left on things, mm-hmm. what that you know, I, if I can show the inference there, it, you know, I can I can we can look at your fingerprint and we can say notice the you know the loops and swirls or whatever you know the the characteristics of the fingerprint and say here's here's Jamie's fingerprint, here's the fingerprint I found in if, you know if I can demonstrate. The in, you know if I can show that inferential link there if I can show what's going mm-hmm. on then then that would be a, then yeah that would but be if a, I you, was, you can still deny it you right, can still but, deny but it I, that's but fine but I could say but I could say the police planted that they they took my thumbprint and they put it in the butter uh, or I could say that you came to my house and you drugged me 
and with the butter stick and you stuck my finger in it. Uh, so I could, like, right. that, that seems ridiculous. It, it seems absolutely ridiculous, but that that's why we evaluate is this finger. But, there, but that's, but that you're not talking about, you're not talking about the veracity or the, the, not the veracity, the strength of the evidence there. You're talking about, uh, you know, subterfuge. You're talking about, being somebody misleading somebody else you're we're talking about the the honesty of the person who gathered the evidence that kind of thing if right. if i could show you if i could if i could if i have videotape of the police coming in and check you know checking the refrigerator and, right. and and finding you know that then that would that would strengthen that that uh Right, that, so, that that would strengthen right. your confidence in the in 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 the evidence gathering process. Right, right. so which, I, which is I, I where would, the drop would occur, and so on. Right, so and and you're right. I think that if the my thumbprint was in the butter in your house, that would be pretty damning evidence. But to to go as so far as to say that that's objectively true, man, I I don't know that 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 can be done simply because there are other possible. I I think you could say it's the best inference. Based on the evidence, I think you could say it's good evidence that it supports my conclusion. But I, other mm-hmm. than it being outside of some kind of logical inconsistency or something incoherent, I don't know that you could say it's objectively true. Because well, it, it, I mean, it, there's always some other there's there's always some some other spin that I could put on it that's a possibility. It's not probable. But there's right. I can always put in in someone's mind. There's a possibility so, something else happened. Right, but we wouldn't, can wouldn't make we that can, objective. It would just make that subjective at that point. We can address that 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 certainty. We can address that level of confidence, and that that would be. Uh, but that wouldn't. But that would. That's not a subjective thing. Because if it was, if it is subjective, if in fact the quality of evidence is a subjective judgment, how could you ever argue? That I was wrong. If I say I don't believe that that evidence supports your conclusion, there's nothing you can say. Right. If but you are, if you if you do in fact, if it is a subjective opinion, then then you could argue all you want, and I could just say no. I still I don't know. I don't think it's uh, makes your r- case. Right. That's why we have a jury uh, that that makes those decisions. So it's just not but like what, we, but if it, the, but the jury can't tell me that I'm subjectively wrong either. Right. No, but that's what I'm saying. You have to evaluate that evidence. So you think that there are some like I, I right. don't we know evaluate it by looking at the we evaluate it by looking at the at the objective case. Now, I'm not saying that we can necessarily objectively prove with 100 percent certainty. But what we can do is that's we what can I'm sh- talking we, about. We, we can show actual, uh, you know, facts about the universe that are true. We can we can demonstrate something. We can show, like I said, we could show you how fingerprints are gathered. Mm-hmm. We can show you how they're how they're compared. We can show you data that tells us that you know people's fingerprints are different, or you know we can show you all of this information and that you know the the strength of and again you know there might be some uh, you know talking past each other a little bit here, but um, the the strength of the evidence is based on the strength of the case that can be made based on you know and it's not based on that yes there is ultimately when we're when we're trying to have a persuasive conversation yes there's going to be a moment where somebody has to say i buy it or i don't buy it yeah there is a subjective component to it but i but i think when we're talking about the evidence we're talking about 
one side's ability or lack of ability to make a strong objective case that this is what happens. This evidence is left under these circumstances. And so we can make this implication because this evidence is here. You know, we have, you have to be able to, and so when we're, when we're talking about a jury, that's what the court case is for. The prosecutor tries to tries to demonstrate these things. They try to mm-hmm. show, okay, uh, we, we got this gunshot residue on, on their hand, and here's how that's left. And, and, you, right. and here's what happens when you fire a gun. There's gases and, and particles and so on. And so you, we can, the, the... All I'm the, trying to say, I see, I, all I'm trying to say is there isn't this Cartesian certainty. There isn't this absolutely, I, you know, I'm, we've talked before, I'm not even certain I'm here right now, mm-hmm. right? So I'm... 99% certain that I'm here right now. So th- that's why I say there has to be an evaluation of this evidence. And so you could say that 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 this is objectively true, but I don't know that it is in a, a Cartesian sense in terms of like there's no absolute there's no other possibilities. This has to be it and that's it because I don't know if there's even one of those other than maybe that I I am I think, therefore, I am. I don't know if there's anything other than that. Maybe mathematics and logic right. in terms of that. Like, so, I, like I said, we're not. I'm not talking about certainty here. I'm right. talking so about inference. when you when you say that when you say that it's subjective, that means something. Ultimately, everything that you've ever seen and everything that you've ever known and everything that you've ever heard is subjective because it's in your brain. That's where you experience things is in your brain, and so to that extent, everything is subjective. Now, if we if we if we then if we then go and call everything subjective, then then we're we're not making a distinction here. There there is a distinction between pure opinion and assessment of of facts and of reality and of information that's presented. Okay? Right. They're, right. They're, mm-hmm. they're, neither of them are totally devoid of subjectivity. I'll agree. I'll, I'll give you that much. But I think when if we say judging whether or not evidence is good. Is subjective. I think that's. Well, I think. That, I think that. I think that's put. I think that's putting it too pushing it too far. I think. Well, maybe you, I could I say like this, to- and I don't know if you could agree with me on this. Um, s- s- science doesn't say anything. Scientists do. Um, um, a- a- evidence doesn't say anything. The prosecution or the defense does. Uh huh. Meaning that that evidence in and of itself is just that it's it's just exhibit a when we begin to build that case or make those inferences i think that 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 because we're making those inferences and 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 because there is um other possible explanations and you can't have that that's that that certainty that that's what makes it subjective is just like i i would completely agree with you that there are are certain things that um that when presented are way more probable than other things Uh but i I don't know that it makes them objective so are you equating certainty or lack of certain are you equating certainty with objectivity and lack of certainty with subjectivity um uh maybe if I if I because I'm I'm trying to work this through in my in my own mind now, so if I was, how would that be an error? Like that's an honest question. 
Because I I think they're measuring two different things. Okay. You know, um, because, you know, subjectivity, if if we're talking about, um, let's look at the, okay, let's talk about uh, broccoli. Mm -hmm. A lot of people in this world love broccoli. I can't stand broccoli. So when I describe broccoli, I say that's disgusting. Right. Okay. That's, that's a subjective assessment of the broccoli because uh, it's a property of the subject of the speaker, mm-hmm. not necessarily. I mean, obviously it's based on some properties of the broccoli because you can't give me, you know, a piece of chocolate and say it's broccoli. And I'm like, Oh yeah, this is delicious. I love this. No, there are some <laughs> physical properties there, right. but, the, but the assessment that it's disgusting clearly is just my opinion. Right. Because there's because I could hand it to my daughter and she loves broccoli and she'll eat and she'll say this is delicious. Right. Okay, that that's a subject. Now, we could we could say something like um bro- broccoli is green. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now we do we now depending on how we define green, yes, color standard, is uh, your standard is, yeah. Yeah. Color is interpreted in your brain, but right. but we could also talk about color as a uh uh a frequency of light reflected off of off mm-hmm. of a an object. And so we can, t- there are objective ways of, of measuring color. So it, in that, in that case, we could say that this broccoli is green. So if I come along and I say, Oh, it's, it's red. Well, it might look red to me. Maybe there's maybe my, uh, maybe there's something wired differently in my brain. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't perceive green. Maybe I'm colorblind. Yeah. Maybe, uh, there's a particular, maybe I'm looking at it from a certain angle. There's different light on it, but it's still, that doesn't make it you know, red broccoli or something sure. like that. Okay. And so, um, and so I guess with respect to evidence, you know, we can, we at least, we want to make a case, we want to make a case based off of things that can be demonstrated, things that can be objectively uh, assessed. And, and so if yes, you take it, a fingerprint, like take a fingerprint, like you were talking about uh, or in the mm-hmm. butter or whatever, you could objectively show that that's a fingerprint. You could probably objectively show beyond a reasonable doubt that it's my fingerprint. But the inference that follows from that is subjective. That it, you know, that, that that's my point is that is that all of these any you know evidence doesn't say anything. We interpret the evidence certain ways. Yeah, that and, would be a that would be an uncertain that would I don't I don't think that would be a subjective inference. Because if because a subjective inference would just be, well, I think uh, you know, fingerprints are caused by fingers, and somebody no, else the, says the I think fingerprints are caused by you the know, inference strong you're wishes. making though, you're saying we we're, we're, we're agreeing that objectively that there is a fingerprint that it's in mm-hmm. the butter and that it's mine. The inference you're making though is that I was in your refrigerator. Right. You know, working working around or doing whatever. I don't think you could objectively show that. I think you could I think you could make a strong inference. I think I'd well, probably again, go to jail. We're not, <laughs> we're not talking about certainty here. We can I can show you that you know, fingerprints are produced this way. And in order for your fingerprint to get there, your finger must have been there. And, you know, I can I can show that your fingers are still attached to your body. And so therefore, you know, we can make a strong, objective, evidential case that you were there. Now, I think you can. Again, now that's when you again, say that's objective. Not, that that's what gets me, because, yes, you could you could show that that how fingerprints are made and that it is my fingerprint. I'm not denying that it isn't. 
I've been rooting around in your fridge. I'm not denying that it wasn't my (laughs) fingerprint. Right. But so I get that you could objectively show those things. Right. So the the strength of that. But your yeah, but your inference is though that I was in your refrigerator, and and what I'm saying though is I don't know that that again, I don't think evidence can objectively say anything. I think that you could you can infer things from evidence, and and you can right, but th- that's why we see two people looking at the same evidence and coming up with different conclusions. The evidence might be both both people might think the evidence is amazingly strong, objectively strong. It objectively shows this. Well, obviously it doesn't because this person says it objectively shows this too. And, yeah, but and- we know we know that. So when when if I say if I you know our our particular assessment of that is going to be subjective. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that the argument is based on subjectivity. It doesn't mean that the evidence itself is subjective. It doesn't. It doesn't even mean that the inference is subjective. It means that your assessment of the evidence of the inference is subjective. So so if if you if you went to court and you said no fingerprints are not. I don't I don't believe that that shows you know that I was there. Okay. Well you'd be wrong and and that's fine and that's your that's your opinion and you can have an opinion there but the evidence shows otherwise but what what if i was able and, and to not show nece- that- not necessarily with certainty right not what necessarily if i was certainty. but what if i was able to make a case a strong case that it was planted there like it it and it, it made it very believable that then that mm-hmm. would how would then how that would that would, would that be, be strong a, would that be you'd objectively true then you would need stronger evidence then that's based on, you know, object. You'd, you'd say, here's a video of, of somebody uh, sneaking into my bedroom and stealing my thumbprint. And mm-hmm. here's a video of that. Or here's, you know, seven eyewitnesses that work at this lab where they, you know, create false fingers or something like that. Or, mm-hmm. you know, so, so you could, that the evidence, the, the assessment of the evidence is still objective, but it's just you have stronger evidence. And by the way, that would be a good example of an extraordinary using extraordinary evidence to make an extraordinary claim. If I'm claiming that your fingerprint proves that you were there and if you claim no, that doesn't. So then that puts you in a position of making an extraordinary claim and then in turn backing that up with extraordinary evidence. Oh, I have this amazing video this perfect video no, of somebody amazing. sneaking it's into just my a room video right D- don't don't add objectives to that it's just a, a normal video it, it well, might be unusual you don't you don't normal i don't know about you but i don't make a habit of recording people <laughs> no. in my in my bedroom <laughs> no right? but and it, so it, right, so but by amazing i don't mean wow you know abracadabra kind of amazing i mean you know unexpected or un, unusual. That's not the type, you know, I, okay. you don't normally present that kind of evidence. Uh, it could also be amazing in the fact that um, it was, maybe it was a coincidence that somebody was recording this, or maybe, you know, it, there, there could be a, you know, a lot of different approaches. But what I'm saying is that that evidence is extraordinary because it's unusual. Um, people who get busted having their fingerprints on things don't normally have a video in their back pocket of somebody planting. Right. Right. And so and so you would back up your extraordinary claim that fingerprint is wrong with your extraordinary evidence. Hey, I have you know, even if people do that kind of thing, which I'm sure happens, people plant evidence. But usually 
when evidence is planted, usually it's not, you don't catch it on video. You don't right. have seven right. people at working at the lab, you know, right. backing it up. And so, so that's what I mean when I say unusual in that case. But again, I think we're, I think as long as we're clear when we're speaking, I, I don't, I think this is largely a, um, uh, not a, not a difference of opinion on, on the concepts, but I think it's more of an indifference of opinion on how we're expressing those concepts. And so I think it, if it, we're, it might be. as we're approaching things, you know, we'll, we'll uh, you know, as long as we're careful, uh, I think we'll be okay with that. Yeah. I think that part of what comes down to again, and I hate to go back to my previous experiences, but you know, what I might think is strong evidence you might not and vice versa. And so, so it is. It, it, so it's hard. F- it's hard for me to see how anything. And, and when you say like objective and you're using that word, I'm assuming you were using like the, the traditional sense of the word in terms right, meaning of a property of the object. Right. Or that, right, or that, that, that it, yeah, right. Um, but again, I think all of this comes, f- we make inferences from evidence that 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 evidence isn't like you could have good evidence good quality evidence poor evidence you could have a lot of evidence or very little evidence but, but that's all, argumentation that's not the evidence itself that's argument that's the argument built up around okay. the so evidence so if you said the knife if you said the knife is made of this kind of metal and it's got um this kind of handle um, I think those probably could be beyond a reasonable doubt shown to be objectively true. But if you said that the blood that was on this knife um, came because Jamie stabbed someone with it, it's got Jamie's fingerprints on it, and it's got the other person's blood on the knife. I don't think that that could be objectively shown because, again, I could say, well, you could show that it is my fingerprint, uh, probably objectively, and you could show right. that that blood is someone else's. However, you're inferring now a a conclusion. But think about how you're constructing your argument there, though. You're not basing that argument off of your opinion. You're basing it off of these things that you can demonstrate. You know, this particular metal burns this color. So if I take a scraping and burn it, you know, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. you're, you're building a case. And, and when I say the evidence has to be objective, what I mean is that there has to be a demonstration that's not just a matter of the perspective or the perception of the person that you're that you're talking to. Okay. okay when I think of objective, that, that is just a, right. And maybe that's where we are, where, where we where we're parting there, because when I think of objective, I'm thinking, hey, this is what follows from this. And no matter what you think about it, this is how it is. Right? Well, there are, there are certain, there are things that, I mean, there are things right. that Mathemat- are true. Right? Math, mathematical things and even outside of things, math. I mean, logical there, there, things, are, there right? are things yeah. that are true. There, right. Well, even, even like there's a glass on my table here. Sure. There is truth to that fact. It's either right. true or it's false. And so, but we can have opinions on it. But what I'm saying is that the strength of the, of the, the strength. So if we're talking about subjectivity, we're talking about somebody's 
perception of it. And it's not so much depending on the perception of something. It's what you can show to be true. Mm-hmm. I can, I can hit it, I, you know, the glass, I can dump out the juice that's in it. I, you know, I can do various things, but again, I think we're, I think if we tread carefully, I think this is, that's not going to be a stumbling okay. block for us. All okay? right. Sounds there, good there to was me. one last thing that I wanted to talk about, about this. And this is the idea um, about the difference between direct and indirect uh, yeah. evidence. And for, for one thing, um, right off the bat, you know, it doesn't really matter to me. I'm not, I'm not really concerned about direct versus indirect evidence. Um, but I wanted to make sure we at least had a night, uh, at least we had, um, cause you were concerned that certain types of evidence were going to be discounted because of their nature. Yeah. And I, I think I could probably clear all this up with this. I don't care what you call the evidence direct, mm-hmm. indirect, what yeah, I don't care what you call it. As as long as and 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 I know that you, you said you wouldn't do this just for the sake of podcasting. I'm going to bring this back up though. As long as is is we don't categorize evidence as good or bad, more valuable or less valuable based on those definitions. An example would be ah, all they have is just a circumstantial case. You hear right. that all the time in movies and things like that. When it turns out to that's just a misnomer. That's just usually untrue actually most cases are proved circumstantially and um and and so as long as certain evidence is not going to be well that's that's only indirect evidence Mm -hmm. so as long as we're not going to categorize evidence as good or bad um or more or less valuable based upon that i don't care what Mm -hmm. you call it Okay. I, I think we got uh, into a big back and forth about exactly what that was. And I'm okay. Use I'll use your definitions. I don't care. Is, right, is, right. Is, you know, and I think that you had mentioned too, and, and I didn't think that you would, but you know, you mentioned that you, you know, you wouldn't, that, that that's not, you know, you're going to evaluate evidence as it comes. Right. And that you wouldn't throw out, you know, something based on a, on, on a category. Right. I, well, I, I largely agree with you. And then I have one caveat. Um, the agreement is that, right. I, I don't think it's fair to, uh, to discard evidence or to, or, or going into it to assume that evidence is inferior just because it's either direct or indirect. And by the way, the, the definition of, I know you had your definition of direct or indirect. I, I think it makes more sense to say that, you know, direct evidence is is um, evidence that doesn't require any kind of intermediate explanation. There doesn't need to be any kind of uh, inference made to connect the evidence to the whatever you're trying to to talk about. Like like the example I gave with you know if somebody has if if you see a body there with a knife in its chest, you can come to the conclusion that that body that there's a that that person took a knife to the chest. Right. Okay. And it's, there's direct evidence there. The knife is still sticking in the chest and you don't really have to, you don't have to jump through any hoops to come to that conclusion right. that that's that they took a knife to the chest. You might have to, there might be other things, you know, if you wanted to show that a particular person put it there, you know, that, that might be, that might require an inference. And so, so that particular piece of evidence would be direct for that one conclusion. It would be indirect maybe for a different conclusion, but the indirect evidence and, and, you know, this I'm taking from, from any, you know, from multiple sources that I I looked up definitions of indirect evidence is that uh, there's, there's an inference to be, to be made in the middle there. For example, 
if I see somebody leaving the scene of a crime, that would be indirect evidence that they committed the crime. And, and because it, it puts them there, but I didn't actually see them do the crime. If I, if I see them grab a purse and run off, then I, that's direct. Then my, that my testimony is direct evidence. But if I just see them running down the street, then that we have to make a, an, an additional inferential leap there. We need to say, okay, well, there could be other reasons that, that they were running down the street. It's, it's just not, it's not directly tied. There's that, mm-hmm. there's that step in the middle that we're missing. And right. so, and so I said, I'm going to largely agree with you and have one caveat. Again, the, the agreement was that I don't think we should be dismissing evidence simply because of the category it's in. However, um, indirect evidence does require, it will depend on the strength of that inference that can be made. And so if we can, if, if I can, if I can make a strong case that because I saw them running down the street, if I could, if I could prove that there were no other people in the vicinity, or if I could, you know, match it up with some other evidence that that you know maybe the the person who had their property stolen said something else that connects them to the crime somehow. Okay, so, so if I can, if I can show a strong connection between yeah. the two, yeah, I saw him running away. There was nobody else there. You know, can that, you that give makes me it, an example stronger. of direct of something that would be direct evidence where you wouldn't have to make an inference? direct evidence where you wouldn't have to make an inference yeah. if I saw them do it, if I saw them grab the person run away. Okay. So if you saw somebody grab somebody and run away, that's if direct. I saw, if if so I saw I them would, grab so, a person, so run to off. you, the only thing now I'm putting words in your mouth here, just so I could figure it, figure this out. So the only kind of evidence that is, um, that is direct evidence where you don't have to make an inference is eyewitness testimony. No, because the other example that I gave also is with the knife in the chest. If the knife is still in the chest, you, that's direct evidence that they took a knife to the chest. Right, but you have to. But but the but but what are you inferring with the evidence? You know what I'm saying? Like the, the evidence. You, Just what I said. That somebody killed somebody or. Okay, so yeah. What so is that's that what evidence I said. for, though? I mean, yeah, there's a knife in his chest, but I don't know right. that that you know what, what's it evidence for. So, so we're so making it, an it inference. Would be, then it would be it would be direct evidence that the person took a knife to the chest because you don't. There's no other inference needed. They they have a knife in the chest. Other, I suppose, the assumption that they weren't born with a knife in the chest. Okay, right. and, but I don't. I don't think that's a big <laughs> right, leap. Right. Yeah, right. Okay. So, so it's direct evidence that they took a knife to the chest, but it would be it would only be indirect evidence that Jamie stuck the knife in the person's chest. Okay. So, because then in that case, the same piece of evidence becomes indirect because there, there's we're trying we're coming to a different conclusion now. The first conclusion was they took a knife to the chest. Direct evidence. We can see that they have a knife in the chest. Okay. Uh, but if I want to come to the conclusion that Jamie stabbed the person in the chest, then I need to make other connections there. There need to be other inferential connections there. Maybe I'd have to show that you were the only person in the room, or maybe I would show that, you know, you got an argument with them, or maybe I could show that it was your knife or may, you know, there's, there's a right. variety of ways that I could, I could add that connection in there. But what I'm saying is that, um, 
That's the that's the difference. Okay, the difference between direct and indirect evidence is not the is not how much they support the conclusion. It's that indirect evidence needs that little extra connection, which often can be very strong. It's you know in many cases it's not hard to make that inferential connection, and that's when you get that very strong circumstantial evidence, especially if you have multiple avenues of evidence. That kind right, of but I would each say other. that, like for one instance, I don't know that I disagree with that. I probably have to think on that more. But I think when you when you think of like uh, direct evidence versus indirect evidence, if 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 let's just take direct evidence as far as like eyewitness testimony, mm-hmm. um, that that I wouldn't say that that is um, more valuable. I I, than I specifically said that evidence. That- Right. I specifically said that I did not, I'm not saying that one is more valuable than the other or stronger than the other. What I'm saying is that they can both be equally strong or equally weak. You can have weak direct evidence too, but right. it, they can b- both be equally strong or equally weak, but that indirect evidence has that one little extra piece that you need. Has okay. that, you have to have that, have I, don't to have that, that I, I don't I don't know that I disagree with that. I mean, again, this, again, it's, it's probably all all verbiage here, but I, I mean, you know, with, with mine, for our listeners, my um, definitions of direct and indirect come from Jay Warner Wallace. He was a mm-hmm. homicide cold case detective, direct, just being eyewitness testimony, indirect being everything else. Um, and it, it was just those two neat little categories, and that's how they follow. Mm-hmm. So something could not and, and be very direct often, and very indirect, often, you know? Yeah, very often that's the case, too. And, and, and you know, but... Um, so, so a lot know, of times I, I know what you're you, seeing though is with your definitions, it's situational because something could be direct evidence and that same piece of evidence could be indirect evidence given the situation. Depending the, on the claim being made. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, de- whereas the saying it the other way, it, it's either direct or indirect and there's, there's no haggling. Right. But again, so, so, so that, so using that, that other definition, I, I, Person, I, I have to tell you that I think you're misinterpreting what Wallace was saying. Either that or Wallace was just wrong because the the uh, the document that, you know, you you struck up a conversation with them and he gave you this document to, you know, this is how we decided. And yeah. and based on that document, the example in that document was was an example of it that they gave for indirect evidence was. And, and I can read, I have it right here. It's that if a witness testifies that he saw someone come inside wearing a raincoat covered with drops of water, that testimony is circumstantial evidence because it may support a conclu- it may support a conclusion that it was raining outside. And so they'd have to, so there'd be that extra connection there. So I, I you know, all due respect to Mr. Wallace, I think either he was getting it wrong or I think you were misunderstanding what he was saying because that because the the example that he gave, right shows that uh, eyewitness testimony might be direct evidence and might not be direct evidence. It might be right. circumstantial regardless, evidence. Regardless, I, it's, that's, again, I, I go back to, I don't care what you call it. Right, yeah, because I think, I think again, we like, need to do I think, that. I think, I think we, a lot yeah. of my work, in, and I'm not going to lie, my my this whole evidence business, I'm trying to set up a level playing ground when we talk about the resurrection because too often and Uh obviously not with you my other conversations with people is is that they'll accept certain things to be true 
And when I used the exact same criteria that they used with in with an in the case of like say the resurrection, uh-huh. they they just outright deny it. And I'll and I'll get this I'll get kind of this juking and jiving uh, of uh, uh, hard to pin them down on. Okay, well, well, if this is true, what would we expect there to be, and you know, what kind of evidence uh, would you want? And so it's it's difficult to have those dialogues when when there isn't this level playing field. If I could show you that, for instance, um, a certain Caesar lived at a certain time using a certain criteria and it's widely accepted in, in historical scholars are like, yeah, this is the criteria we use for this. I think the same criteria should be used when evaluating other claims, other historical claims. And so for that's making, all, yeah, uh, for making the sim- same type of claim. Yeah. yeah I agree so, that, with that. so that's, that's all I'm saying is that I, I'm just trying to see. So, so if you want to call direct, indirect, however we want to do it, uh, how, you know, however we want to say it is I'm totally fine with that. You know, as long as when we get to the evidence, it's evaluated uh-huh. for, for what it is, the kind of evidence it is, the quality, and what we'd expect based on the you know criteria of either scientific criteria, if it's something science in the hard sciences or historical um, criteria based on that, whatever the case, I just, just want what's good for the goose. That, that's, all I, that's all I ask. Sure. Yeah, I think we're okay there. I think we came to more um, um, uh, agreements in in this yeah. particular part than all the other ones combined. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> Maybe I don't know. Maybe. Maybe does that not. mean we're getting weak, or does that mean we're getting strong? Well, I both. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, I have to think about that one. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. I think. Uh, I don't know. Do you have any uh, anything else you want to say about this topic? About extraordinary claims required? No, I think that you and I both kind of have come to an agreement. I think you and I both can agree that if something happens that's out of the ordinary, then whoever's making that claim had better bring some good evidence, both in quality and quantity. And that would be my kind of my generic definition of of that the extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence that was our twofer that was our two two discussions on extraordinary evidence kind of mushed into one it was extraordinary i agree with you um but let's dive right into the next piece then we got we're gonna spin the wheel right so let's do that we'll spin the wheel spin that wheel We're going to play a little game called Spin the Wheel. So we have spin the variety wheel, of... Spin the wheel. <laughs> spin the We're not wheel. talking about, you know, a game you play as a, as a preteen or a tween, you know, with the, you know, you get a bunch of your friends, you spin the bottle. We're not doing that. We're, we're spinning. So we're going to have... So each of us have a, a handful of topics that we want to throw at the other person. And we're going to spin the wheel and, and pick one at random. And then the other person will have two minutes to answer without worry of being interrupted or anything. It's just a two minute one-sided, uh, one-sided discussion. So I, th- I think what we're going to do first is um, Jamie's going to spin the wheel and, and have a topic for me to answer. And then I have two minutes to answer it. Okay. Right. All right. So spin the wheel. Here we go. 
Here it is. Boom. I love that wheel. That's an awesome wheel. I know. That's a great wheel. All right. Here it okay. is. Okay. All right. So, um, obviously, on uh, on my wheel, anyhow, I have some political things, some religious things, some non-religious things, some personal things. And this happened to fall on something um, kind of uh, not like personal, but just in the personal category. Okay. If if you boxer briefs could make. Oh, that wasn't the question. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Okay. Go ahead. That was that was that was the question, Boom. Nostradamus. Nailed it. Man, I don't even <laughs> want to go now. No. Uh if if you were tasked with creating, uh producing, uh directing a documentary about anything, mm-hmm. what would it be and what would it look like? Ooh, okay. What would it be? So uh, so should we start the timer? Let's do okay. it. All right. So I got two minutes here. Um, if I were to make a documentary about I think the thing that fascinates me the most is um, I, I love to figure things out. I love to solve puzzles. I love to, you know, that's maybe what attracted me to math. I'm, I'm interested in figuring things out. And so I, I just eat up, uh, you know, these nature documentaries and philosophy and psychology. I think the one thing that um, is most interesting and also most terrifying for me is uh, human psychology. I would, I would, if I wanted to make a documentary, I would, I would want to dive in and I'm, I'm sure you're not, you haven't seen any of this in my, you know, behavior on, you know, in talking to me. Um, I, I want to figure out what makes people tick. I want to figure out why our brains work the way <laughs> they do. I want to figure out what's going on. I want to understand. I have, I have the small, the, the very easily attainable goal of, I want to know everything. I want to know how everything works. And so if, so if, if, uh, if I did do a documentary, it would be on how things work. But if I had to narrow it down to something somewhat reasonable, um, I would I would do it on human psychology. How does how does people's brains work? How do their personalities fit in? Um, I like reading uh, books by um, uh, uh, he was either a psych- I think it was a psychologist uh, by the name of Oliver Sacks. He he wrote some books about these weird things that have happened, like uh, you know phantom limb syndrome. He you know he'll interview somebody mm-hmm. who got who lost their arm or something, and and how that person he'll figure out ways that they can relieve some of the pain in in their phantom limb, or uh, divided brain syndrome. It's where um, either through some kind of brain trauma or something. Oh shoot. I'm running out of time where they'll, they'll separate. They'll like, if you have epilepsy, one of the treatments is they'll separate the hemispheres of your brain. And sometimes it's very, I'm going over time here. Um, Go on, go. uh, Sometimes what happens very rare, but uh, each the brain, the two sides of the brain don't communicate. And so sometimes they even develop two separate personalities. And I know of at least one case where, uh, that happened, and one side of the brain was religious, and the other side of the brain was atheist. You think you and I can't communicate? Shut up. Try having two of those Shut in your head. Shut up. Yeah, no, I'm serious. I don't know why when I when you were talking about the particular uh, you were mentioning about how the the brain and and you know how you want to you know see how it I don't know why I had in my mind the movie Science of the Lambs with <laughs> Hannibal Han- Lecter Hannibal, Le- Hannibal Lecter eating eating the oh, brain out or picking right. the brain out <laughs> yeah 
with uh, Ray Liotta. Yeah, that, yeah, no, that, that was one's uh, good. Okay. Yeah. All right, you ready? Good one, buddy. I got. Um, okay, spin I'll spin it. the wheel here. Spin the wheel. Okay, so here's your category. This category is what the. F Wait, are we gonna? Are we gonna? Have we decided whether or not we're gonna allow that on the show? Yeah, well, well, we'll probably keep it. We'll just we'll bleep, bleep it. it. Okay, we'll beep it. So what the? You, you, everyone knows what I'm saying. Um, right. we, we have to do an episode on swearing at some point. I think it's just the most ridiculous thing All in right. the world. But anyway, so what the? F right. We'll bleep it again. I'll say it again. What the? F right. Okay. So here, so here's your topic. Okay. Exorcism. What the? F That's okay. it. You ready? All right, start All right. that start that timer. Do it up. Exorcism. So, um, as obviously as a Christian, we believe that there are are two aspects um, that we know of: we um, the material world and the supernatural world. So, uh, what what we see in exorcism is just um, the evil aspect of the supernatural. Uh, being invoked or uh, in a human being. Now, uh, the um, obviously the Catholic Church is probably the best uh, in in they have uh, several hundred years, if not thousand years of worth of doing these kind of things. And um, there are some very real cases of of people who have um, have been possessed by, demons by demonic forces and um and have they have been exercised and that's what exorcism is is that not what you're hoping no, for you still got time if you want to see. i mean so so let me throw another question in there so does your church do exorcisms um no as far as well here's first of all this should be um known that demonic possession is very rare. Okay, most of the time in the past that people have, have said, oh, that person's possessed, it was usually some kind of mental problem or psychiatric issue, undiagnosed. Um, and so um, even today, most of what people would say, oh, that guy is, is possessed or, or whatever, most of that is is a mental issue um psychiatric or psychological in nature so they're very rare so we don't do them at our church because they don't they don't happen they don't happen very often but if someone were to come into our church and <clears throat> cause a ruckus uh then yeah we would do an exorcism really okay now here's the thing the exorcism as a Protestant is different than a Catholic. The Catholic has, um, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that are going on. There's a, a, a lot of different symbolism and, and things like that. As a Protestant, it's, it's, it is pretty basic in terms of uh, uh, what we believe um, can, can uh, cast out the demon. And that's just invoking the name of Jesus, praying for that person. Um, so that, you know, it's not like we'd have to take them to the back room and, and you know, get out our sacraments and things like that. We would just pray for them right okay. there. But yeah, so all yeah, right, that's that's exorcism. Awesome. What what 
what but what say you about exorcism? I mean, uh, do you think it's just those are um, either the Catholic Church behaving badly or other people just behaving badly in terms of having mental and psychiatric issues? I don't know. Are we violating the uh, <sighs> the uh, core beliefs of the uh, spin the wheel process? Am I allowed to comment here? I suppose uh, if you ask me, yeah, I suppose we'll, that that would be okay. Yeah, we'll we'll decide we'll decide later uh, if we okay. should include this. Um, uh, I you know <laughs> I think it's all hooey. I don't think you know demonic possession. I think that's a you know that's a a pretty far stretch to me. I think it's uh you know those uh, like for state fairs and stuff they have the chickens that can play chick tic tac toe and stuff and and. Uh, you know, they've done experiments on chicken and let me know if I'm talking too long because this, this was really your topic. Um, they've done experiments on chicken or birds where they can kind of induce them into doing these ritualistic things by by giving them food at random. You know, and the birds think, oh, you know, even if they are giving them food at random, the birds think, oh, I just flapped my wing and the food came out. That must be make the food come out. And so they flap their wing and they, they can develop these elaborate little ritual dances that they think they're making the food come out. And that's what I think is going on. I think it's just, you know, train chickens with random food pretty much, but you know, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm right. open to be convinced otherwise. <clears throat> right. I mean, well, it would be difficult in your, in your position, um, Obviously, you're a naturalist, so I'm. It's you know, I mean, this is a supernatural thing, or it's a, a mental, you know, psychiatric issue. You know what I'm saying? So, right. like, obviously, as a naturalist, you're you're not going to be like, oh yeah, it's demon possession, right? So, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. Hey, those. Okay. Were good. Yeah. Excellent. Awesome. I'm glad I got that yeah. one. I thought I thought that one. I threw that one as as a fun one. Yeah that that was pretty fun. If you want to call. Exorcism and demon <laughs> possession fun. We we did have. Well, some yeah, fun. I I honestly didn't know what how you were going to respond to it. I thought I thought I could. I was expecting anywhere from you laughing at it to you saying, "Oh yeah, I performed an exorcism yesterday." And I was expecting oh, yeah, anything yeah. in between. You know, I had no idea. Yeah. So it's good. I, so it's so fun. What, so what did you get? You just got the in between. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We just obviously it was you know, I, well, you were kind of, you know maybe just past 50% kind of towards the, you know, you obviously thought there was something to it, but. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I, th I think that they do occur, but I think that there's so, so few uh, legitimate. Um, and and the, because, uh, and I, I mean, even my congregants will tell, tell anybody that I always look for the natural first before I, I assume the supernatural. So I, I, you know, I'm not one of those Christians that, you know, like somebody comes in not feeling well, all of a sudden they're, they're, they're kind of spiritually oppressed and they might be, but it's probably they're dehydrated, you know, or, you know, or something of that nature. So, you know, it's, it's, I, I don't necessarily in, in, in these kind of things look directly to the spiritual. Mm. Uh, let's take care. Let's take care of the physical. Let's take care of the mental. There's hope for you yet, uh, young Padawan. And 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 then and then if and then it, when we rule those out, uh, for the most part, okay. Now let's see. This might there might be a spiritual component to it because it's just more likely that they're dehydrated or that you know if they're not feeling well or they're sick or something All else. Right. Yeah, uh, I'd buy that too. So yeah. All right. So good one there. Uh, yeah. So it's a great spin the wheel, and I don't know. You wanna so that I guess good. we can wrap it up then, huh? Yeah. 
And that about wraps it up for episode number five. Please send us your ideas, questions, and comments to email at godornotpodcast.com. If you'd like to know more about the topics covered in this episode, Jamie recommends... I recommend Forensic Faith by J. Warner Wallace, although the main point of the book is basically um, pointed towards Christians saying, hey, listen, this is why we need apologetics. This is why you need to make a case evidentially for the Christian worldview. Um, In the book, there's a lot of things that talk about evidence, burden of proof, um, and all different kind of things surrounding evidence. you know, extraordinary claims, extraordinary evidence, things like that. So Forensic Faith by J. Warner Wallace. What do you have, Scott? Well, I recommend uh, a book that has become a classic in the uh, scientific skepticism uh, community, and that is Carl Sagan's The Demon Haunted World. I thought that would be appropriate since we kind of began our our discussion today on, on Carl Sagan. But The Demon Haunted World, Science as a Candle in the Dark, and in that book, uh, Sagan basically lays out um, his approach to judging the difference between uh, pseudoscience and actual science, between myth and reality. Uh, he talks about his baloney detection kit in this book, and um, it's just, like I said, it's just a classic. Uh, Carl Sagan's The Demon Haunted World, Science as a Candle in the Dark. All right, so thanks everyone for joining us, and we hope you'll be back with us next time when Jamie and I will be talking about faith. Until then, this is your dialectic duo reminding you to talk to each other. See you later. This has been the God or Not Podcast. Send your questions or comments to email at godornotpodcast.com. If you'd like to support the show or grab some God or Not gear, please visit the website at www.godornotpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. 